0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about prophecy, and in particular, about how we as people process when God speaks to us through another person. So how do we process that? What do we do with it when God speaks to us through another person? And uh, I, I kind of have a funny story I want to start with And, and, and uh, I, I think you'll agree by the time it's done At least I hope you will But there were three friends who decided to go deer hunting A lawyer, a doctor, and a preacher And as they were walking along A giant buck came across their path And the three of them, buck, came across their Not butt, buck Okay, just so want to be clear on that Somebody said, what? I heard it. And I'm like, okay, I got to clarify. Got to clarify. <laughs> uh, hopefully I can recover from that. And simultaneously, the three of them lifted their rifles and shot the buck, and it dropped to the ground. And they all rushed up to see how big the deer was, and upon reaching it, they couldn't determine whose shot had actually killed the deer. As a heated debate ensued, a few minutes later, a game warden came by and asked what the problem was. The doctor told him that they were debating who shot the buck. The officer looked at the buck and within a few seconds he said with much confidence, the preacher shot the buck. And I'm like, of course he did, amen. They all wondered how he knew so quickly and the officer said, easy. The bullet went in one ear and right out the other. You know, the, the Bible is interesting because when you deal with the issue of prophecy, and I'll quickly define what I mean by prophecy, I'm not talking about end times things. I'm talking about God speaking to people, both corporately, you know, as a group, and individually through another human vessel. So when we talk about prophecy, we talk about the fact that God still speaks today. The Holy Spirit indwells people who are followers of Jesus and gives them gifts. And one of the gifts that He gives is the gift of prophecy, And prophecy is when God speaks to us through a human vessel. And then we have to take what we've heard and we have to manage it. We have to be wise about it. We have to discern how it applies to our lives and we have to live it out. And so what I want to talk to you about is just how that gift of prophecy functions now and how we respond to what we hear. Because next weekend we're going to have two gifted men with us who have a gift of prophecy And when they come to be among us and worship with us and speak to our church, they're going to give us some words as a church congregation, but they're also going to minister to some of you as individuals and as couples. They're going to call you out specifically as an individual, and we're going to bring you up, and they're going to pray over you, and then they're going to speak words over your life. And it's going to be up to you to take what you hear and prayerfully bring it before God and then learn how to live it out in your life personally. And so I want to give you a a few pointers and prepare your heart for that. The first thing I want to share with you is that New Testament prophecy is not like Old Testament prophecy. In the Old Testament, if a prophet spoke and it wasn't exactly right and confirmed, that prophet could die because they would be labeled a false prophet and a person who led people away from God and they could die. In the New Testament, we see something different. We see a perspective where we have partial sight and partial knowledge, and we evaluate and we learn. When, when a word is spoken, it, it, it's kind of similar to what's happening right now. As I'm speaking to you, all of you in this room, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, all of you in this room are evaluating. There's some of you right now that are like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> Something about him. I know how humans are. Something about him is annoying. You know, it's his voice. It's that shiny head. It's that beautiful beard, something, right? And then there's, there's some of you that are just kind of, you're, you're, you're waiting to see, like, when's he going to read a Bible verse? When's he going to teach Scripture, right? You're evaluating, and that's good. In fact, I just want to tell you, anybody that ever speaks to you for any reason, we should be discerning and evaluating. That doesn't mean we should be critiquing every word and, you know, just being ultra critical, but it does mean we weigh and we test I tell people here all the time, you test what I preach and what any of us speak. Anybody that ever gets up here, you weigh it according to Scripture. You pray over it. You make sure that that person is representing God rightly, right? Amen? Come on, somebody help me out here. But our job as a church family, when the Lord speaks over us, is to evaluate and learn and to test and prove. And I want to take you to a couple of scripture references so you see this. And I'm going to move quickly, but I want you to see here 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you can skip down in the notes all the way to that. 1 Corinthians 14, so the next one, verses 29 through 32. Look what it says here. It says, two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. Do you see that? Two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. Let me just, this is the Apostle Paul writing the church in Corinth and he's telling them, When you gather together as a church family, there are going to be spiritual gifts operating among you. And as people begin to prophesy or speak God's word over the congregation, this is how it should operate. And he says here, he says, two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. But if someone has, if something has been revealed to one person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent for you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone, notice this, so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. So a prophecy is a gift that's meant to be evaluated and learned from. We're called to listen, learn, discern, and evaluate what we hear. This idea leads to the conclusion that New Testament prophecy is not required to be perfect, to be edifying. If the prophecy confirms, builds up, gives hope, and leads you closer to Jesus and people, that's what's important. And so the most important thing is, is it leading us toward God? Is it leading us toward Jesus Christ? And is it revealing Him? Is it building us up, stirring us up, and cheering us up? Secondly, we're not to despise prophecy, but we're to discern it. I want you to notice what 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 through 22 says. Verse 20 says this, Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now, verse 19, I didn't read it, but verse 19 says this, Do not quench or do not put out the Spirit's fire. So so what's the writer saying? Paul is saying, listen, the Holy Spirit should move and you don't want to put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Don't stop the Holy Spirit. Don't keep Him from being able to work. But, and don't despise prophecies, but what? Test it. And what does the word test mean? It's a Greek word that means to weigh in the balances, to check it out, to make sure that it checks with Scripture. Scripture. Make sure it witnesses what what you know to be the call of God over your own life. So test it and prove it. And so what do we see in this text? We see that we don't despise, but we test. We hold on to the good and we stay away from the evil. What does it mean to not despise? Don't count prophecy as unimportant. Don't count it as not valuable or something to be held in contempt. What does test mean? To weigh it. Weigh it against scripture, weigh it against what you know of God's call and purpose. So, you know, if, if one of you that are sitting here next week receives a, a prophecy from the Lord and, and that word is coming to you, you're asking yourself as it's being delivered, you're asking yourself, does this equate to, does this equal what I know about what God has shown me about my own life? Does this confirm my gifts? and what God's called me to do. In some cases, He might give you some new information. Maybe you've never considered that you're able to do certain things or be someone in in a certain area of expertise. But most of it's going to be confirmation. It's going to confirm to you what you know to be true about your calling, your purpose, why you exist. It's going to match who you are. And so you want to be testing it. And then it says to hold on to the good. Listen to the good stuff. That God is saying through a person that gives you hope, value, and purpose. Listen for confirmation and then stay away from evil. What does that mean? Reject anything that pulls you away from God, leads to confusion, or condemns you. If, 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 and they're not going to do this because I know these men. But if you were to receive a prophecy if somebody in this church for instance said I have a prophecy for you and they came and spoke something to you that went completely counter to what you know about yourself and condemned you and they told you basically you're you're you know you're you're terrible and God can't use you and he doesn't love you and you know I mean I know most people wouldn't say that but if you ever have somebody do something like that you you can know right now that's not the voice of God that's the voice of an enemy that's the voice of a liar that's the voice of an accuser. Amen? Yeah. Okay. So, and I'm trying to move really fast here, guys. I've prepared a lot more notes than I have the ability to share with you. So, so I want to take you to a quick story, and I want to show you this story in the book of Acts. And, and, and this really shows us how we interpret personally what God says. And what I want you to notice in this story is that when God speaks through a human vessel to a person and other people are standing by, it's possible that people will interpret what they hear differently, right? So it's possible that others around you will interpret what God is saying to you, and they could interpret it wrongly. And so what am I saying? When God speaks to a person, the responsibility to manage and steward what God has said is on you. Let me say that again. If God talks to you, it's up to you to make sure that you manage what has been spoken over you and live it out and be obedient to God and follow him. Does that make sense? So look at this story. We're in Acts chapter 21. And this is a story of, a, of the apostle Paul and a prophet named Agabus It's an interesting name, huh? Agabus. And Agabus comes to Paul, and there's a group of people with Paul. He has traveling companions that have gone with him over the Roman Empire, and he's traveled to many places as a missionary, and as he goes to these places, he takes a team with him, and so some people are with him, and also the church there where he's receiving the prophecy, the people there are also hearing this, and so let's pick it up in verse 10. Listen to what it says. It says, after we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet, not Paul's, tied his own feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. Now I want you to notice when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks through people. Agabus is the vessel. The Holy Spirit is speaking through him. This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. So the Jewish leaders will bind you up, Paul, and they'll give you over to the Romans, the Gentiles. And that's what they did. They, they gave him over to the Romans. And I want you to notice what happens immediately. When, they, when we heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. So they heard it, and they interpreted it, and their response to him was, don't go to Jerusalem. And then I want you to notice what Paul does. Then Paul replied, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more, except the Lord's will be done. So just a few things. First of all, the prophet, when he speaks, you'll notice that he demonstrates and speaks in, in, in ways using illustrations. And you see this often with the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is often attached to creative arts, to creative expressions. In the Bible, we see, for instance, with the prophet Elisha, that as he got ready to preach, he called a musician, and the musician started playing music. And in that atmosphere of music, he was able to prophesy with clarity. We see many of the Old Testament prophets would act out their words to Israel, to Judea, to individual people. They would go through dramatic expressions, and they would illustrate things using props, and they would do that because they were trying to show in, in an artistic way that God is speaking, right? So that's the first thing we see. And he speaks and he delivers the message, but I want you to notice that he doesn't interpret the message. He delivers the message to Paul and he leaves it with Paul to interpret what he's heard. The second thing I want you to notice is the people interpret the prophecy as a warning to be avoided. What am I saying? The people interpret it as a warning and they plead with Paul to avoid going to Jerusalem. They believe this is God's way of warning Paul to avoid suffering, okay? And, and so we see one word, two interpretations of what it means. And this often happens when we receive personal prophecy. There are times when a prophecy is a warning So we can avoid evil or suffering. However, as we'll see with Paul, the person receiving a personal prophecy is responsible to discern what God is saying to them. So there are times God will speak to us and somebody will give us a word that has a warning attached to it and that may be God's way for us to avoid suffering that's coming up the road. But that's not the case here. And that's where I'll I'll end today. When Paul hears the word of the Lord, he interprets the prophecy knowing what his calling is. Paul knows what he's called to do and what the cost of that calling is. He remembers other words he's received. You'll you'll remember, if any of you know the story of Paul, when he was first converted, a man named Ananias came to him, laid hands on him, and he was cured from blindness that came over him when he encountered Jesus. And then this man, Ananias, speaks to him about his future. And Ananias says, you're going to go to all the world. You're going to stand before kings. You're going to give witness to the gospel, and you're going to suffer much for my sake. And over and over again, Paul is told that he will suffer for the sake of the gospel because he's gonna take the gospel to new areas and he's gonna pioneer new hearts and new regions and when you do that, you're going to face resistance. Okay, so then he goes into that part of the world and he knows he's going to experience suffering and he knows this is part of God's will for him and he refuses to avoid suffering for God's kingdom and God's purpose. He knows that he'll either suffer now or suffer later for the gospel and he chooses now. And if you know the story of Paul, this is how it ends. Paul stands before Nero, Nero the emperor of Rome, Nero who burned Rome to the ground and blamed the Christians, Nero who threw Christians to lions. He stands before Nero, Nero condemns him to death, and the legend of his life is that he ran to the chopping block and put his head down. Why, because he understood something. I've finished my race, and you read this in 2 Timothy. I've done what God's called me to do. I've finished the race, I've run the course, I've obeyed God, now there's a crown awaiting me. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I can't wait to see you face to face, Jesus. I've done everything you've told me to do, and now I'm gonna be in your presence, I'm okay with it. And so, Paul could embrace this word, rather than resist it, rather than avoid it, because he understood something. I'm called to this. this. This is who I am. Suffering comes with the calling. And so I embrace it. I won't resist it. I know you all want me to avoid the suffering and you think that's the interpretation, but I'm the one responsible for what I've heard and now I'm gonna go do what God's called me to do. And that's what happened. And it's a really powerful moment in the Bible and it's a great example for us. And so this is where I wanna end. I wanna end with something that I think is really important for all of us, and that is we recognize that prophecy, ultimately, all prophecy, all gifts, every time preaching happens, anytime you're talking to a brother or sister in Christ, the purpose is to point us to Jesus, to point us to the beauty of his person, to point us to his redemptive work, to point us to the grace of God and the sacrifice of the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection, all that he is, all that he's done for us, and so that's what we're looking for next weekend. And I, I want to end today by telling you that all the great prophecies of the Bible point to Jesus. If you want to know really who the prophet is, the prophet to the church is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the prophet. And when that gift comes forth, it's, it's Jesus standing up in his people because he so wants to communicate to us. He's not a distant God. He's not a God that's avoiding us. He's not a God that doesn't want to talk to us. He's not mute. He doesn't just talk through the Bible. He talks through the Bible and gifts and creation and people and sacrament. He talks everywhere. He's speaking all the time and one of the most beautiful ways that he talks to us is through the gift of prophecy. And so we're looking for his voice because the voice leads to the person. The voice reveals Him and His character and His nature. And we want to taste and see that He's good. And we want to encounter Him and know Him. And so that's really what this is about. This is so His church can be built up, stirred up, cheered up, strengthened. And so we can go out and do what God's called us to do and know that the Lord is with us and that He still speaks. Amen? And with that said, I'd like you to stand to your feet. What a day. Come on. Jesus. What a day, Lord. Look what the Lord has done. God's done so many beautiful things here today. I'm going to tell you what, being up here, sitting right there taking photos, it was messing me up. Watching daddies baptize their sons. Watching people make decisions to follow Jesus Christ. You talk about something that will wreck you wow, what a beautiful thing the Lord's doing in our midst. You know, let's lean into it, church. You know, there's, this, there's a number of texts in the Bible, but there's a text in the Scripture in the book of Isaiah that says that when the Lord draws near, we need to respond and come close to Him. And what I want to say to you is that we're in a time right now I hope you recognize that we're in a season right now where God is coming close to us in a special way, in a fresh way. There's a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit breathing on us. And during times like this, it's really important that we respond and move with Him, right? That we say, hey, Lord, we recognize you're among us and we're going we're to join you, I'm not going to resist you. you. Might not understand at all. But we're not going to resist you. We're going to come close to you. And what I want to say to all of you that are here right now, and there's many of you that are here, I don't know you and you don't know me. But I want to tell you something. God loves you passionately. I jokingly tell people all the time, if he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your picture would be in it. Right? If if he had a smartphone, he'd take it out and say, let me show you my kids. This one's special. This one too. Oh yeah, him too. Oh yeah, her. She's very special. That's what he would be doing. And we wouldn't be bored either. You know what I'm talking about. You get bored when people show you family pictures. (laughs) Come on, admit it. You know it's true. We wouldn't be bored. But anyway, God's crazy about you. I know that's a funny term to use. Okay, so God passionately, zealously loves you. He loves you so much He gave. He emptied the riches of heaven. What's, who's, who's the riches of heaven? Jesus Christ. Everything about heaven is contained in Christ. And He emptied heaven to redeem you, to redeem me, to win us with love, to pursue us and chase us. And so you might be here today and you might not know Him. And what I want to say to you today is today is your day. He's present. He's in the house. He's right here, right now, ready to meet you. I want you to quit running. I want you to think about what running has done for your life. Has it worked out? No. You know as well as I do it doesn't work. You can run, but you can't hide from the goodness of God. Why don't you quit running? Why don't you yield to Him?